Bible studies show. Whoa! What up is Ruth? And she fell on her face. Oh no! <laughs> okay, so she and Ruth are kicking it in Bethlehem to come unto a people. Oh my which god! Without the Lord. So she's like, "Don't text him. Wash thyself, therefore." And anoint thee. I'm surprised. Because it's weird. Good thing I have the whole Bible memorized. We're watching Halloween, I don't know what number, but it wasn't Halloween the original. We were watching this with our neighbors. And Nina, who was like a teenager in the 70s, was like, no, this isn't Halloween. This isn't Halloween. I saw it in the theater, Lil. In the theater. Jamie Lee Curtis. What in the loose screws? That's your takeaway from my night tonight. Oh my god. In the theater. In the theaters. Oh, my Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> oh, Lily. Angela. What if we did an episode now? All right. Well, it's... <laughs> That's not how it starts. <laughs> well, I'll remember. Hello, and welcome to Bible-ish, the podcast where we tell Bible stories. I'm Lily. I am still Angela. And neither of us are religious experts, but we aren't here to tell you a moral. We're here to tell you a story. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I'm excited to hear you do the intro again. (laughs) So I got really into it. Yeah. Yeah. So there. At Bibleish, we are serving up equal parts epic tale, summary. <laughs> no, I said it. Okay. <laughs> Die will tell. <laughs> epic tale, summary, and drunk literary analysis. We are not here to preach, so get ready to hear these stories in a brand new way. We do not do these stories in order, but if you'd like to access a sequential list of the episodes, just join our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Our patrons are the amazing people who truly help keep the show going. So first of all, thank you to everyone who supports us every month. And if you'd like to become one of them, just go to patreon.com slash Bible-ish podcast. And this week is... Alicia, Alicia continued. continued. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yep. Alicia again. Some more. Some more. Some more. Some more. Some more. Wow. We are back. He is really hogging the book. So I thought we might as well really be back. You want to know about Alicia? Yeah. Google it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, we're not there yet. I do want to know about Alicia. Let me prepare myself. Look, Lily. Yuzu seltzer. Yuzu. I love Yuzu. I know about it. That's why I showed you. Thank you for showing it to me. Does it taste good? Yes, you've had this. 
It is the one I had. I thought I recognized it. Why do neither of us know how to speak English good today? I don't know. <laughs> it is the one I had. <laughs> My tone is off today. We've, it's we've been both wacky. heard the Sims. <laughs> Snarbladish. Who's Fluky Duke? <laughs> oh, and I'm about to talk for an hour, so it will go finely. <laughs> <laughs> it will go super good. Oh, so yeah, we're. We're we're tired of summarizing Alicia because we have so many Alicia episodes. So we'll just do a quick recap. He's a guy. Oh, step one. Elijah, his predecessor, was chosen by God to do his bidding and start patching up the whole let's have kings fiasco. Alicia is twice as powerful as Elijah. And he is really bringing Kings to some double-fisted closure. Remember Darlene? Yeah. Sweet Darlene, whose son died, but Alicia brought him back to life? Suspiciously. Well, yeah. She's making a comeback. Again? In the background, yes. In the background of all this fighting. Over contested land and contested crowns. So there's just battle after battle pretty much. But nothing can distract you from endless quarrel. Quite like a seven year famine. Ew. As you may recall, Angela, there is a famine in the land. Yeah. That's where we left off in this story. Yeah, because then also then he visited her and he was like, hey. Mm-hmm. She was like, hey. Get thee to a nunnery. And they were like, what if we got in each other's pants first? <laughs> <laughs> we suspect. And that totally happened. And then it, they totally bead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was going to say, I'm glad you remember and you weren't distracted by the smutty retelling but that. <laughs> No, the only thing I remember is... (laughs) Anyway, that is why Darlene leaves for seven years to avoid the famine that Alicia warned her about. He told her to leave to the land of the Philistines, where the famine would not affect her or her family. We will pick up from there, and yes, to help me get back into the swing of things... And for my own morale, I will be serving up some more smut. Spooky, gothic smut. Yeah! Because I'm (laughs) sad. And I just finished Frankenstein. And it's our show. So here we go. (laughs) Here we are. And here we will go. Did you want to ask me a question? No. No. Oh, yeah, I do. I do have a question for you. Before we begin our story, do you want to play offense or defense? Oh. Mm. Well, I'm scared of this question. Uh, (laughs) Oh, no. I feel like I'm more comfortable playing defense, so I like want to stretch myself and say that I would play offense. But then I'm like, no. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Defense. I'm going defense. All right. I always wanted to play goalie in school. Perfect. You know what I mean? I was like, pew, pew, get out of here. Denied. When the time comes, you'll play defense. Hold on. I have to get my audible voice on. (coughs) Great. I have to get my COVID voice on. Perfect. The night Darlene left had been a blur of both vision and mind. Darlene had not slept, and her eyes had grown tired from carrying tears she could not let fall. She wanted to appear strong for her son and steadfast in her decision to leave. She remembered feeling Hank's eyes on her, waiting for her to break, waiting for her to question what Alicia had said, but she would not. Darlene dared not turn around, telling herself she would turn into a pillar of salt like Lot's wife had if she looked back at Hank, at where they had come from. Her donkey strode on confidently at the head of the group while she, in her guilty circling, was grateful for the animal's stench. Hopefully it was enough to cover that of her own transgression and of his. Because remember, she leaves right like after I said, Like I said. Like I said. They got in each other's tunics. <laughs> <laughs> the scenery passed by as if Darlene was looking through a pinhole. All the rest of the world was a tunnel of nothingness. Not nothingness. Him. Alicia was all around her, and all she thought and saw and heard. He became the peripheral of her vision and her thought. It was somehow worse than being all-consuming. She was in the eye of a storm that never ends, one that is looking back at her. Hank and her son hobbled behind Darlene like two tired children being dragged by hand. They did not resent her as much as she feared they did. They both cared for her deeply, but the same could not be said for the man who was given the very roof above their heads and the favor of their God. They did not doubt that he was blessed. They only questioned his favor and why, out of all men, God chose Elisha. Turbulence brewing, Lillian. (laughs) (laughs) Hank felt as if he had already turned to a pillar of salt. All he could do was think back before they ever knew him, and every memory was tinted with a rosy goodness even when it wasn't. Every tear and shout appeared to him transformative and necessary. He wondered if that is what waited for them, a life without Alicia above them. But now his wife knew him, remembered Mm. him. He would always occupy some high place, if not in their home, then in her mind. I was also trying to like inject some Bronte into it, like yeah, I, it's it's there, the vibe is there. 
They could be in the Moors. <laughs> they settled in the land of the Philistines and lived as strangers to their neighbors and to each other. All Darlene could think about was Alicia, and he was all she wanted. How could he not feel this too? How can he bear it? And why must she? Why would he choose to waste away for years in a hungry world rather than be with her? One night, Darlene finally turned back to Hank in their bed, only to help her remember his touch, Alicia's. Yes, like this, she'd say to herself with her eyes closed. It was like this, but different. After some time, a few years, her affections changed. The hands of her memory turned back into that of her husband's. Her eyes opened in a way that bore through the pinhole she had seen the world through, and reappearing at the sides of her vision was Hank, who had been waiting patiently for her to look to him. Meanwhile, their son grew tall, taller than his father and more slender, darker in complexion but softer in his features. He looked utterly unlike Hank, except for his every expression and mannerism. Hank is who he idolized. This is my son, he would say, and he would stand taller, greet them with familiarity and respect and beam. They were both more proud of each other than either of them could ever know or understand. That's so cute. <laughs> proud dad. Seven years had passed and the family looked to the one who led them there, Darlene. She had told them how long the famine would last and when they could return. But would they? What was there for them? They had left their house abandoned. Who of their friends and neighbors would be left? Would he be alive? Suddenly, a shadow descended on her memory. Is he there? Turned into a mantra in her head. Again and again, it repeated as if she already knew the answer. He sent me away so I would not watch him suffer, so I would not see him die. He won't be there, or he would have come for me, wouldn't he? Darlene then felt the seven years that had passed weigh on her. Had he moved on as she had when she found her way back to Hank? And had she really... Or was Alicia still pacing her mind like he used to pace their ceiling? As the thought entered her head, her vision narrowed yet again, and all that sat at the end of the tunnel was Shunem and her home. Because she's Whoa. the Shunemite woman. Whoa. Darlene. Yes, Obviously, we, I, I, there wasn't a Darlene <laughs> in Hank. Just if in case anyone's concerned. If you guys have been listening for a while, <laughs> you would know. Sometimes we have to name them ourselves. 
I was thinking about that as you were like telling this it's very beautifully written. And then I was like, and Hank. <laughs> like, oh, <man. laughs> you were like, oh, right. That was his name. <laughs> right, that's that guy. <laughs> uh, Darlene. When Hank finally asked her if they would be returning, part of her heart sank, the part that belonged to her husband, however big or little it may have been. They packed up their past seven years and made their way back. As they entered back into Shunem, it looked as if the land itself had been deprived of sustenance for the same seven years of famine. Although hope dotted the landscape here and there with eager orchards and ambitious vegetable gardens. When they came upon their old dwelling, they found it not only in disrepair, but occupied. Darlene was outraged to see others in her home. She stormed up to Hank and asked if he was going to do anything about it. Hank looked stunned. Well, she pressed. Hank would have asked for their son to excuse them for that moment, but he was an adult now and was therefore allowed entry into the mire. So you chose to play defense? Yeah. And you will be reading for the part of Darlene, D for defense. (laughs) (laughs) And H for Hoffens. Attack! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and this this scene, Angela, what we're going for, the energy, is it's it's anger. It is heightened. It is... um, who is this man and why is he speaking to me in this way? Because this is Hank, you know, Hank. Hank doesn't speak up much. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So this is alarming. Alarming. This is alarming. <laughs> and outrageous. <laughs> Got Got it. Got okay. it. Notes received. Um, I'm just trying to... <laughs> this is alarmery and outrageous. <laughs> I'm... Oh, my lungs. But we need to get mad. <laughs> we can't be giggling. You need to think about things that make you very angry. Very outrageous. Me now. I am girl. That's my house. My house, I said. Uh, yeah. How are you so good at that? <laughs> How are you so good at growling? Okay, so she was just like, well, what are you going to do about it, you know? Yeah, Hank. Yeah. We left. What were they to think? Not that someone would leave all their furniture. We obviously intended to come back. No, Darlene, that isn't obvious, only suspicious. Well, it's not like we put it up for sale. This is my house. Still. You abandoned it. Don't speak as though you weren't there with me. I was, and I feel guilty for it. 
Well, then that's why we need to make a plan to get the house back. I don't feel guilt because we lost it, Darlene, for seven years. While you've been thinking about him, I've been thinking about everyone else. Everyone else we knew here. Who we left. We left them. We knew a man of God who told us to go with just our family, and we did. We told no one. Joseph risked his life to tell Pharaoh there would be a famine. Well, Joseph had a seven-year warning, so... Listen to yourself, Dar! Come on! He told you, and only you, to leave. Everyone else had to stay to suffer and starve. Everyone except for you. Now I ask myself, why you? And why him? Because listening to you now, I truly don't understand how we were deserving of salvation. Why us? Are the people living in our house right now not just as worthy? God chose us to... No, he didn't, Dar. He did. Alicia. And he's not God. He's just a man. Well, God chose him to... Fine. So what? So he chose him. You aren't part of that choice. You're a part of Alicia's. Do you remember what they said about Elijah and the widow? She took him in and saved his life. Alicia was never dying and he has never suffered like Elijah did he was not sent to you by God in his hour of need you did not give the little you had during famine to make sure he survived you are well to do so much in fact that this isn't even my house it's yours that's why I didn't say anything when you decided to add a room upstairs Their son began to feel discomfort in the new level of trust he'd been prescribed and gestured that he was going to turn away and give them privacy. Are you saying you don't believe he's a prophet? You know that's not what I'm saying. Then what are you saying? That it's my fault? Because I didn't tell them. Because I didn't bring thousands of people along with us when we left? Only you? And our son? I'm not. No, it... Then what are you saying, Hank? I want to know one thing first. Would you have gone with him? Their son was not at all as far away as he wished he could have been. Not only had he heard it, but he did not think he had enough time to walk away from the answer. He too wanted to know but he also wanted to not. If what? If nothing, just that. Would you have gone with him? He didn't ask me to go with him. He told me to take you with... But if he had... He didn't! And did that make you sad? Darlene began to panic. Why couldn't she just say no? No. 
No, I would not have gone. I was not devastated when he told me to leave without him for seven years. I did not pretend your hands were his when my eyes were closed and sometimes when they were open. I did not look out our door for seven years hoping to see his frame in its own to celebrate how alive we were, the chosen ones. Darlene felt watched. It wasn't that the house was owned by the state. Oh, sorry. Darlene felt wretched. <laughs> Darlene felt like someone was looking oh, at her. So she's paranoid. <laughs> New character note. <laughs> she's angry, outrageous, and paranoid. <laughs> Darlene felt wretched. It wasn't that the house was owned by the state and inhabited by more deserving squatters than herself. It was that this was the only place Alicia would know to come back to. Her face gave way to this realization and Hank read it almost immediately. He watched her expressions contort, performing a game of charades as she processed her thoughts. In the end, her eyes widened, and he knew it was him that she saw, Alicia. Mortified by her inability to lie in the name of a kinder sort of love, she ran off toward the center of town to make herself lost. Hank looked at the ground in anger and out of fear of how nearby his son was for those last words. He was not far off enough to save him from her silence and stared at his crumpled father in pitiful horror, wondering how such a man could be so unloved. He hated his mother for a moment only. He then remembered how much he too loved Alicia, the man of God who chose his family in his house to grace and to save. He had been saved twice by him, or so he had been told. He does not remember much from the first time. He remembered that his head hurt, but he did not know why. He remembered a tunnel with a light, but then Alicia moved in front of it. He remembered waking up in a room alone, except for Alicia, who was lying on top of him. He remembers asking him what he was doing and him explaining he was bringing him back to life. He and his father stood like this for an eternal minute, unraveling in their own separate ways before coming together at their frayed ends in the realization that they would have always had each other, no matter what she chose, but maybe not if it hadn't been for him. Darlene tore through the street on feet that carried themselves, ones that had their own purpose, devoid of righteousness. He had to be able to get to her. If he was alive, he had to be able to find her. She suddenly became aware of the place her feet had led her to, the palace Although she could not stop walking, her thoughts screamed for her to stop. Hank was right. Who are you? 
Who are you to walk outright into this place, demand to stand before the king? What sort of woman are you to request your property be returned to you? Are you a chosen one of God or of man? Who do you think you are, Darlene? Suddenly, she found herself in the inner chamber, standing before the king. Well, isn't that just something? Darlene, king, if it isn't the mother of the very person I was just telling you about, I can't even believe it. How long has it been? Seven years? Must be. Haven't seen you all famine. <laughs> That was a well-timed absence. (laughs) Darlene stared back in shock. There, sitting at the foot of the king, was Jehazi, Alicia's servant. Oh my god. Do you remember him? (laughs) He's another reoccurring character. He had been summoned by the king that very day to meet with him and give a second-hand account of the sort of miracles his master had been performing. So many unlikely stories had been swirling around, and the king wanted to hear for himself how real what? they were. What? Right? What are the odds, you guys? <laughs> He had thought no one could be raised from the dead, but here this man was, giving the same account as everyone else. Afterwards, with no way of having the circumstance premeditated so exactly, in walks the mother of the very boy he spoke of. Surely it must be some sort of sign, proof that the stories he heard were true. Did the holy man Elisha save your son by bringing him back to life? Asked the king. Her eyes darted around the room as he asked it. Jehazi was a welcome face of familiarity, but a poor substitute for the one she longed to see. She looked back at the king. He did. My son was dead for nearly a day. Elisha revived him. The king nodded slowly. Why have you come to me? he asked. Darlene nearly forgot with the mention of Alicia in the sight of his servant. There was a moment's pause before she remembered. My home and and my land. I left during the famine. She lied. I went to stay with relations in other lands. She lied again. I had every intention of returning, as indicated by the presence of my furnishings and remainder of my items. It has come to my attention that the property is no longer in my name, and I'm here to prove it was not abandoned outright. The king looked her up and down. She was not malnourished like the others in his land. Most of the people who had come to him before did so with some sort of pitiful desperation, asking for something as small as bread. This woman did not seem desperate in the same way as them. Hers came from a different source, but one that was clearly as vital as food to her. The king did not wish to deny the friend of this powerful man of God. In front of his servant, no less, he relented, giving her not only her land and home back, but paying her for the income it generated in her absence. 
He hoped the offering would later be recounted by the servant to Elisha so that he could preach of the king's benevolence. If not, then he would at least know he had performed a favor for his friend. Maybe then he could also benefit from God's good graces. Darlene groveled at the king's feet, thanking him. She then nodded to Jehazi, knowing full well the king would not have relented if he had not been there at that very moment speaking about her son. Did Elisha know that would happen? Where was he? If Jehazi was there, where was Elisha? She had the authorities clear the squatters from her home and returned with no feelings of triumph or relief. Once she was alone, she began picking up and tidying the house in an attempt to quiet her mind. Hank and her son had not yet returned. Would they? And what of Alicia? Would he come to grace her rooftop and take her back into his arms? Surely all she had given him was for God as well. So she was not sinning in her wanting. Was she? Uh, you guys... One cannot deny a god, but what was he? Hours passed by, and there was nothing left to pick up or clean. She stared out the window into the night and waited. And then what, Lily? <laughs> no one knows. Lily! Nobody knows. Someone knows. That's where the chapter ends. Lily! Okay, so in the original, she and her family leave, and she returns after seven years of famine. Yeah. She goes to the king, who is talking to the servant about her son at that very second, and he gives her back her land and its profits uh, during her absence. So all that is true. Yeah. The rest is embellishment. Yes, I love playing with the Darlene Hank Alicia love triangle. Yeah. And yes, I love insinuating that Hank is not the biological father of their son, but a superior father nonetheless. Am I adding all this just to juice it up? Lily. Not necessarily. Here's my defense. Mm. What I'm trying to do is justify Darlene. She is not a starving widow, giving what little she had to save a prophet, like in the story of Elijah. She is well off and married. She also owns the dang house. That's another thing I found odd. Whenever the property is referenced in the Bible, it's always belonging to her. Interesting. Which is like, what? Yeah. Which makes me wonder even more why this unnamed character is so important and prevalent. Huh. Because I can I can wring some sort of moral from her debut story where her son is resurrected. Yeah. yeah but yeah. it's still strange to me why her. And why they would, like, continue her story outside of, like, Alicia wasn't even in, what, did he didn't even show up yet in this. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that they're like, and another thing about this woman. And then, like, yeah, and then okay. she's back on the scene. Yeah. And I'm, I'm actually potentially doing a huge injustice to her character 
by sexualizing the circumstance. Because yeah. maybe she was important because she was actually important and the Bible is incapable of saying it. Yeah. And of letting women hold power outside of virtue. Yeah. For example, maybe I should have made her some badass fallen aristocrat during the French Revolution who returned to a changed world and opened a salon of inspired minds. And that's how she met Alicia. <laughs> and that's why he finds her so valid and important. And that is a reference to Josephine Bonaparte, by the way. <laughs> But anyway, it's it's strange that this unnamed woman pops up multiple times and has so much influence. Yeah. I just find her infatuating, so that's probably why I chose the path I did. Well, it's a really good story when you tell it. And also <laughs> <laughs> I'm equally curious now that you now that you say that. Um I mean, my one assumption is like is she just made important by the fact that Alicia visited her? But he like did other stuff too. Like the other old lady, like that are like Elijah, like uh, everyone, anyone who's been bestowed miracles. He meets people all over the place. Yeah. There's lots of them and we don't get their after story. So it's Jehazi and Darlene. They're his, uh, what's it called? These secondary characters, like his side. Well, Jehazi is definitely a sidekick. Yeah. And like the thing is that we obviously know the Bible has been edited down innumerably um, or edited up <laughs> or whatever, which way. Um, but I'm like, what's also perplexing is I'm trying to think about it from other angles. Like, okay, what if it's supposed to be some kind of parable about like, here's a lesson in what to do if someone takes you, someone squatting, I don't know, you know what I mean? But then why would it wouldn't happen in this way? And the, the, the only reason it happens which I do th- still think is in the story is because of the coincidence of Jehazi being there. So like, mm-hmm. it's not a lesson because she wouldn't have had this happen without his volleying it up to her and being like, Oh, coincidence. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's not a coincidence that it's, that's like attributed to God. So it's not even like God will favor you if you, I don't know. There's, I don't, I can't even, <sighs> every thought that I've had, I've already fought myself on <laughs> in the past five minutes of like, but what if, no, I agree with you. It feels like maybe she was actually a more important person and or character and they either wrote her in that way or wrote her out eventually yeah. and just left like yeah. a skeleton of like, they're like, I guess we should talk about the house, right? Let's just call her the Shunamite woman. Yeah. She's probably like really cool. Maybe. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's suspicious. Yeah. Because the story is so. What? Yeah. (laughs) The story is very what? (laughs) The story is giving very much what? And also, hmm. It's, it's just about, it really is about circumstance a coincidence yeah well a divine coincidence this is why the bible is very mysterious to me still and always (sighs) well lily 
thank you for telling us that story, especially um, in a way that is way more interesting than the original. <laughs> I thought I'd add some gothic flavor for the seas. It was really, really good. What a what a way to kick off another round. Yeah. Come back in with 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 my hands just punching. Just punching. <laughs> just punching out the stories, man. <laughs> so I mean, are we gonna see is she coming back or no? I don't know. <sighs> Wouldn't that be crazy? Like, oh, that'd be so, that would be so sus. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it would be high key sus. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's already, it's already pretty suspicious. It, it for is. Sure. Yeah. <sighs> well, let's see what Alicia has to say about it. Sure, we're not done with him because he's like, mm, let me take all the books and all the chapters. Well, we're not done with the king. <gasps> oh. See, okay, so here's the this is the thing. This is the other thing, is that I was like, I didn't like that whole scene. I felt like there were multiple angles of self-interest happening. Mm-hmm. 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 So I feel I smell a punishment coming on. Well, thank you so much for listening, Angela. No, thank you for telling me that story, Lily. That was so good. I would I, my, uh, my my final two requests of the day are: uh, please send us pictures of your pets, always and forever, at infinitum. We're both still pretty sad and uh, would love pets. So there's that, and also join our Patreon. <laughs> As I mentioned at the top of the show, our Patreon is truly what helps keep this show on the air uh, and running through thick and thin. So if you would like to support us and keep the show going and also get some fun perks for your very own self, including access to our complete library of episodes going all the way back through like four years of content, uh, you can join the Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. And if you join at a higher level, I don't know, we'll also send you some stuff like stickers or a Bible-ish wine goblet. Wine chalice. Yeah, there are uh, many fun perks on there. So go to patreon.com slash Bible-ish podcast. That's patreon.com slash Bible-ish podcast and join our Patreon fam today. Or you can email us at BibleishPodcast at gmail.com. Lily remembered how email addresses work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> oh, and thank you so much for listening. I'm happy to be back. Yeah. Woo! Back in the saddle. Back on the donkey. Back on the donk. Goodbye. Hey, remember. Oh, remember. (laughs) (laughs) Don't yell it at them. As always. (laughs) As always. We are not here to mock or glorify the Bible. We are just two. Modern Modern day Shunamite women. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to wrap our heads around an ancient text. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.